So this has taken a bit of preparation and huge thanks to Chris and to Amy and to Laura for helping us put all this together. So what I'm going to do, you need to listen carefully because I'm going to tell the Christmas story. Chris has already, he's been warming up all morning. But you need to listen to the words that I'm going to use because at various points in the story, you're going to hear the name of a chocolate bar. So perhaps I might say something like, the wise men looked at the Milky Way. And if you hear the word of a chocolate bar, then if you put your hand up quickly, you never know that Chris may well get that chocolate bar to you. Okay, so be listening carefully. There's going to be a few clues on the screen. You've got hands up already down here. (laughs) I'm having anything that's going. And probably just a little bit of a health and safety notice as well. Um, We just need to be a little bit careful about this. So do watch for flying chocolate bars or people trying to grab them, please. And should we say women and children first? I don't know. (laughs) Okay, so are you ready? Are you sitting comfortably? Because I'm going to begin. Here comes the chocolate nativity. So Christmas is not really about Santa. Oh, somebody heard it? Great. Oh, great catch. (laughs) Christmas is not really about, said the word so it's gone, or elves or reindeer. So let's start at the beginning and listen very carefully. A long time ago, God made the world and all the galaxies. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) So not only do you have to be quick off the mark to listen, you've got to be a good catcher as well. (laughs) And it was amazing. He made this beautiful world and put people on it too. He wanted the earth to be filled with people who he loved. The best we could do with love hearts. Yeah. People just like you and me, because they were so special to him. They were so special that he gave them everything and told them to go. Anyone heard of one of these? I've never heard of a go bar, but Will obviously has. (laughs) He told them to go and rule over the earth. But sadly, the people were just like us. And they didn't always want to do the things God's way. And they didn't listen to him. And they did a breakaway from God. (laughs) You might need to run down down a bit or something. (laughs) It all started with fruit. Oh. And a chomp of an apple. And with that bite, wham! Sin came into the world like a disease. And after that, it got really rocky. Suffering, pain, loneliness, unkindness, sickness, and death. (laughs) Surprisingly, none of those are names of chocolate bars. came into the world because we'd chosen our way instead of God's way and everything got really Haribo horrible (laughs) and the world was filled with toxic waste (laughs) are you sure you want that one (laughs) so to give them a boost God promised that things would change one day a special person would come and put things put things right I'm telling you the truth. I'm not lying. 
this is the story we celebrate at Christmas, and it's a classic tale. Oh, nice. Yeah, nice chocolate. That's right. It all began with a girl called Mary who heard a whisper from an angel. That's Hannah's favourite, obviously. <laughs> the angel told her that she would give birth to God's son. But how could this be? She was not yet married to Joseph. To have a baby now would be a real topic of conversation in the village. <laughs> Come to church and bring a hard hat. <laughs> Joseph also heard of God's plan, and at first he did a double take at the idea of marrying Mary. But after an angel visited him in a dream, he said, yes. I think that's a healthy one. The kids don't want that one. (laughs) Before the baby arrived, political events overtook them. Joseph had to return to Bethlehem for the census, and it was miles away, a trek of a journey. Again, a healthy one. Who's feeling healthy today? Well done, Edward. They had to travel on a donkey simply because in those days they couldn't get an aeroplane and there were no double-decker buses running from Nazareth to Bethlehem. When they arrived, Joseph tried to find lodgings but they didn't have a dime. And club... Oh, quick, come on. Is your club? And club after club... Turn them away. They have to, you might have to go down the aisle a little bit. <laughs> no room, they all said, and eventually they were offered a small outhouse, and it was there that the jelly baby was born. Right, do you know, guys, I want to see this kind of response in worship next. <laughs> Not just after chocolate. <laughs> I know you can do it. And so the baby was born Jesus, which means saviour. And all sorts of strange visitors tried to turn up. First, some shepherds and a few drifters. Ooh. All sorts. Oh, you're ahead of us. Have we got all sorts? <sighs> Sorry, no all sorts. <laughs> next year. <laughs> So the shepherds had been up on the hillside looking up at the Milky Way. They were in for a big surprise. Suddenly they saw a starburst of angels. And they were all singing, glory to God in the highest. And they were accompanied by heavenly minstrels. (laughs) The angels announced that God's king had arrived on earth and they told the shepherds to go and see the promised saviour. The shepherds decided they had to have some time out from looking after the sheep. They said, nest quick go and see what's happening in Bethlehem. And when they got there, they found the trio, Joseph, Mary, and Jesus, who was lying in a manger of all places. It was certainly no bed of roses. (laughs) 
but they were filled with wonder and they reveled in the thought that this child was special. Could this be as the prophets foretold? Was he the Lion of Judah? But it was getting late, after eight in fact. And so the shepherds... And so the shepherds returned to the hills with delight in their heart. And singing praise to God as they went. Far away, some wise men who were busy scanning the galaxy... saw a new light in the Milky Way. Could it be Mars? No, it was a special star bar. And this star was signalling the birth of a king. They knew they were meant to be following the star, so they packed a picnic. The kings packed up their bounty, presents for the new king. And this is a good one, wait for it. And they climbed on their caramels. They went to Jerusalem, to Herod's palace, not afraid to hobnob with royalty. To see if Herod knew about this royal birth. And Herod was interested. A king has been born, he mused. But deep down, he could hardly conceal his snickers. He didn't really believe the wise men, and he thought they're mall teasers. But just to make sure, he reckoned he'd butterscotch this rumour before it began to ripple through Jerusalem. Before it began to ripple through Jerusalem. Poor Chris is getting a real workout this morning. So he decided to fudge the issue by saying that he wanted to go and worship the baby as well. And he told the wise men to report back to him. But those wise men were smarties. And they didn't give up. They out of something. Because... And they followed the star. However, they began to think that their sat-nav had let them down because it didn't lead them to Equality Street. (laughs) Instead, they found themselves in a small village called Bethlehem and there they found Jesus. And they gave him their gifts of gold. And frankincense and myrrh. Then God warned the wise men in a dream that Herod was up to his twix. And that actually Herod really wanted to kill the child. So they took flight and headed home by a different route. Would you like one? Just wait a minute, sweetie. I'm sure you can have one in a minute. Now, I don't want you to be bean-boozled by the Christmas story. So 
some old-fashioned humbugs just don't believe it. Let's go to the back for that one. Go to the back. The truth is that Jesus was born so that all sorts of people... So that all sorts of people might come to know God's love for them. Like the shepherds and the wise men, many people are looking for meaning and purpose in life. A refresher in difficult times. And here's the crunchy. That's made someone's Christmas. (laughs) But here is the crunchy. The baby Jesus is the son of God. He was sent by God into the world. He's no miniature hero. He's no miniature hero. He's no fairy tale and he's no crutch. He is divine. Well done, Chris. (laughs) Wrapped in human skin, he's won victory over sin, death, and hell. He is your key. He's your key to a new joy-filled life. Jesus is God's giant gift to you. But just like all these chocolates, you can only taste how good the gift is if you unwrap it. And this is why the Christmas story is really a cause for celebrations. And so tell everyone, don't whisper. Let's shout it out. God is here. God is good. He's taking over. And you're invited to join join him as your king. So, huge round of applause for Chris. I think Chris did most of the hard work there. And uh, thank you to Joe as well. Hope you feel it was worth it after five years. <laughs> oh, great. Good stuff. Um, I'm just going to talk for a few minutes 
Um, and if you're very little, you might want to come and grab a word search. I've got a few here. If you're very, very little, I've got a colouring sheet and we've got some pens. So you might just want to come down the front and, um, and just sit. We don't, have, we, we don't really have lots of pens that you can take away. So if you want to grab a word search and take, a, take that with you, just find some space on the floor somewhere. And while we're doing that, I've got three very healthy, healthy, helpful helpers who are going to come and do little readings for me. So if the Taylor children, all of you, come on, Seth, Jojo and Annabelle are going to come and do a reading for me. So this is, oh, I could do with the other mic. Is there the mic down there? Thank you. Okay, so now then, guys, this is a verse. You know, I want to reflect very briefly on three verses from the... And if you want to find it, the words are going to come up on the screen, but they are in the book of Isaiah and chapter 9. And it's a reading that we quite often read at Christmas time. It's not in the New Testament, it's in the Old Testament. These words that these guys are actually going to read for us in a second were actually written around 700 years before Jesus was born. But... People think, and a lot of people agree, that although they were written 700 years before Jesus was born, that these words actually look ahead in a way that we call prophetic, prophecy. These words look ahead over half a century and talk about something that's going to happen, which we, which we know is the Christmas story. So, Annabelle, are you going to read? Is this, is this on? Sorry, I'm just going to... No, it's not on. It's on. Okay, Annabelle, would you, nice big loud voice, read this for me. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Brilliant, thank you. Do you want to read yours? For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Brilliant. And then the, one, the last verse? Which of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no, no end. end. He will reign over David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness. From that time on and forever, the zeal of Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Brilliant. Can you give them all a little clap? Thank you very much, guys. You can sit down. Well done. Thank you. Thank you for helping me with that. Thank you for helping me with that. So the first bit that we read was this from Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 2. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. And you've probably heard this verse read out at carol services. I don't know, probably most of your life if you're like me. I certainly have. And the truth is that the history of God's people in the Old Testament was a very long and quite a dark one. Put very simply, the Jewish people, at the time that this was written, were in trouble and needed help. And if your country is in trouble and you need help and you're waiting for a Messiah, then I would say that 700 years is a long time to wait. Imagine that this was, imagine this was now and we'd received that word. You know, there is hope, God is coming, there is something going to happen, you're okay, God is going to do something about the trouble that you're in. But then imagine having to wait for 700 years before that came about. That's 
If we had that word now, that would be in the year 2719 or 2720. That's like passing on this hope to my children and then to their children and then to their children over 2,000 generations. That's a lot of waiting and a lot of darkness before the light would come. And times were hard. Times were hard for the people of Israel. You know, to start with their neighboring country, Babylon has invaded their land. They've ruled them harshly. They've stopped them from worshiping God the way they want to. They've even taken away some of them back to Babylon to live in a distant land in a foreign country as refugees. Um, There was all sorts of battles and bloodshed and war going on. This was a tough, a tough period of history for God's people. They didn't have their own government. They couldn't live well. They were weak. And even when they managed to get back from that exile, then they were at the mercy of another superpower invading army, the Roman army, who then came came in and took over and also ruled Israel harshly and took their taxes, treated them badly. This is the darkness that Isaiah was talking about when he said the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. And with these words, Isaiah was reminding God's people that even despite all the trouble there was still hope. He's looking forward to a time when light will come into this darkness. He's encouraging them that God has not forgotten you. He has a plan. And okay, even though it was going to take some time and they probably had some lessons to learn on the way, they certainly had some lessons to learn on the way, there was hope. And I hope that these words encourage you because they encourage me today. Because that was then, but whatever is going on in our lives now, whatever trouble we are in, whatever we are struggling with, I want to encourage you that there is hope. And that God wants to help. And that he has a plan. And however dark things might seem, however far away God might feel, the message of Christmas is that light has come and light is coming. And that's what we should think about when we read that verse, that, dark, that from darkness is coming light. The next verse we read said this, a child is born, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This prophecy from Isaiah is talking about God sending someone to rescue and save his people. The light is coming to the darkness, but someone is coming. But it's not who we might expect. You might expect some kind of revolutionary leader. You might expect a military general. You might expect a ruling king. This rescuer isn't anything like that. This rescuer, Isaiah is saying, is coming as a child. Small, weak, humble gentle, coming to normal, everyday, down-to-earth people, not royals, not celebrities, not anyone grand, not with fanfares, not with armies, not with these big public gestures and just a little stable in a very ordinary place with some out-of-the-way people, some ordinary shepherds in a small, insignificant, out-of-the-way place. God is doing his thing. And, you know, it's probably not the way that God's people were expecting or would have wanted. And yet, this passage says something incredible. It makes an incredible claim about this child. It says this child is going to be born and the government will be on his shoulders. What what does that mean? 
What does it mean to say that a child is going to be born and the government will be on his shoulders? Does it literally mean that this child is going to be the prime minister or the president or the king? How is that even possible? It doesn't make any sense. How can a baby be in charge? And if you're colouring down there, you might want to look up at the screen in a minute because this is maybe how come a baby might be in charge. Just have a look at this clip. DreamWorks, the boss baby. We babies are having a crisis. Oh no! That's awful! What is it? Well, it's simpler if I just show you. Teddy, if you please. Let's put on a show. Here we go. Jimbo, hit the lights. You see, babies aren't getting as much love as we used to. Why? Behold our mortal enemy. Puppies. Aww. No, no! That's exactly the problem. Uh. This is war. Puppies are winning and babies are losing. Uh, that's uh -oh. all bad news, baby. What are we going to do? You're going to help me. Genius. Home run. You still got it, boss. Yay! Yay! Now, your parents all work for Puppy Co. So, have you learned anything from them? Yes, sir. Sure did. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Triplets, go. A, B, C, D. No, what have you learned about puppies? Hey, puppies! No, Jimbo, puppies are evil. Stacy, read back the notes. I can't read. What's it say? This is my team? A muscle head, a bunch of yes men, and a doodler? Exactly. Affirmative. Put that cookie down. Cookies are for closers. Oh, it's like they're having their own little meeting. God, this is so humiliating. The Templetons were making plans for their newest edition. I thought you'd enjoy watching that. Um, you see, I don't think that it was like that. When it said the government will be on his shoulders, I'm not sure that's what God had in mind. Jesus wasn't a super baby, nothing like that. He was just a normal little baby. He couldn't walk, he couldn't talk when he was born. He did all the things that babies do, which is not very much apart from crying, sleeping, feeding, and, you know, pooing. And he grew slowly in real time into a boy and then into a teenager and then into a, a man like the rest of us. It took about 30 years before we even heard anything from him. Jesus came as a baby and although he was born like a normal baby. He was also, as we read, a really special baby. I mean, I know that all babies are special to their parents, right? I mean, you're, you know, you've got your own and they're very special. But I'm talking about Jesus being a special baby for the whole world. Because, not because of who he was as a baby, but because of who he would grow up to become. And we think about these little cute scenes of babies at Christmas. And it's all very nice and jolly. You know, we've got our Christmas cards and it's all very lovely. You know, but actually at Christmas, what we're celebrating is the start of something with enormous potential. We're remembering and we're celebrating. You know, sometimes in this church we have a dedication or, you know, sometimes in other churches they have a christening service and we bring a baby up here and we say, thank you, God, for this incredible new life. And we are thinking about and celebrating and praying for all that this baby will grow to become. And it's a bit like that at Christmas. We're remembering Jesus as a baby, but we're celebrating all that he came to do. And we're looking forward to with anticipation to who he became. And you know, last Sunday, if you were here at our carol service, Duncan, our friend, was preaching. And he said, talked to us about how when God 
came to earth, he came for us. He didn't come for God's amusement or fun. He came to rescue and save his people. He became flesh. We use that fancy word, incarnation. And how God would come and save his people and through them the whole world. And so we still haven't really tackled that thing. What does it mean when it says the government will be upon his shoulders? Have you ever heard this expression? Have you ever heard this expression? Oh, he's got the weight of the world on his shoulders. Have you heard that expression? No, it means, it, means you're, it, means you, it doesn't literally mean you're carrying the world. It means you're carrying a lot of responsibility. It means you've got a lot of things to think about and be in charge of. And often when we say that about somebody, it means that it's beginning to get us down, doesn't it? It means we're beginning to feel the responsibility of taking on people's stuff and our stuff and the things that we have to do. And when Isaiah says the government will be on his shoulders, he is talking about Jesus taking on that responsibility for the world. Now, Jesus did that in a number of ways, but then ultimately the most profound was by dying on the cross. I saw this image. I thought it captured it really well, that when Jesus died on the cross at Easter for our sin, he literally carried the weight of the world on his shoulders. His, the government will be on his shoulders. And when he died on the cross for you and he died for me, Jesus established a new order of things, a new set of rules, a new government where God is beginning to rule and reign, where God's power is available, where his presence is manifest, where his kingdom is near, where his hope is coming and his love sets the agenda. We are people of God's agenda, not our own. And God's kingdom is not one specific place. It's any place where he rules and his love sets the agenda, where his values and purposes are lived out. So God's kingdom, we could say, is here. It's in our hearts. It's in our hearts as we try and follow him every day. It's manifest when we gather in his name, church every Sunday, or in your house group, life group. It's whatever, and also God's kingdom is manifest whenever we go and do what we do in the week, when we carry his presence from here, God's government is coming to rule and reign. His kingdom is manifest. And the last reading uh, that was read for us this morning so beautifully by those guys was this, that the increase for the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom and establish it and uphold it. Justice and righteousness. I wonder what you think about when you hear the word government, having watched the news for the last few weeks. See, I don't know if you've noticed, but this country's been in turmoil in terms of our ruling and our governance. There's been tension, there's been disagreement pretty much over the last few years about how to run the country, and particularly over the last few weeks about how to vote and how to decide who will form the next government. Okay, there's division and there's disunity, and I know many people who found it just a really stressful time. We may be really pleased with the outcome of the latest general election, or we may be really disappointed. However we feel, whether you're elated or depressed about the new government, or just probably like me, a little bit indifferent, ground down by the chaos, the truth is that Brexit or no Brexit, whatever happens next, the, U the next UK government is not where our ultimate hope lies. It's not, that's not the truth. It's easy, it would be easy to believe that if you watch social media and listen, listen to what people are saying, but that's not the truth. Whether you like Boris Johnson or you loathe him, he is not the saviour of the world, and nor are any of the other politicians who lead our country. You know, some, some of them are really good people, 
Some of them are really good people, but we do need to get this in perspective. And I believe that Christmas gives us a perspective. And I believe that this passage gives us a perspective and it gives us a hope because as I said, ultimate responsibility for our lives doesn't lie with our government or any political party or any political leader, whether they be effective or ineffective. They do, now don't get me wrong, they have an important job to do and I think we need to engage with them and I think we need to pray for them and we need to hold them to account. You know, I was watching the Queen's speech actually and she said right at the end of her speech, she said, I pray that the blessing of Almighty God may rest upon your councils. And I went, Amen, I pray that too. But ultimate governance rests with God. And when Jesus came as a baby, he came to bring about God's kingdom once and for all in a way that all of us can engage with, which has and will continue to make a difference to the whole world. This poor, little, weak, defenseless baby lying in a cow's feeding trough reminds us that first and foremost, God cares about the weak and the poor and the lonely and the vulnerable. And so should we. So should we. Who are you keeping an eye out for this Christmas? Who's in your neighbourhood who might need some help or just a cup of tea or inviting in for some food? I read, I saw this, um, I saw this on the BBC. Did anybody see this story this week? It was about, uh, I'm sorry, the pictures aren't very good. But it was a guy called Terence from Oldham. And he appeared on Breakfast News. I didn't see the original. I just saw the article that was written about it afterwards. I don't really have time to watch BBC Breakfast, just in case you were thinking that pastors only work on Sundays. It's not true. Um, <clears throat> but he was on BBC Breakfast and he was talking about loneliness at Christmas. And apparently what happened is he described how he had spent every Christmas alone at home for the last 20 years since his mother died. And over the next two or three days, there was this beautiful response from various people, including one of the presenters, Dan Snow, who came to his house and they arranged for some people to come and bring him a Christmas tree and just, just look after him. Somebody invited him to a concert and, and that's fantastic. But it really made me wonder how it is that nobody knew in 20 years that this guy was on his own at Christmas. And if they did know, that's even worse. Why was nobody doing anything about it? Where, honestly, it made me think, where were the Christians in his neighbourhood? Honestly, that's what it made me think. Because I would hate to think that there was somebody like that living down my street. I mean, I'd be shocked and ashamed if that was the case. You know? What about all the other people? And not just for him, but what about the hundreds of others who are going to be lonely at Christmas or home alone while everyone's partying? The message of Christmas is that Jesus came for everyone to bring hope and light and love. And for us who follow Jesus, that's our job, to bring us hope and light and love. Now, last week at the carol service, at both carol services, um, we encouraged everyone who was here, maybe, hopefully maybe of you, many of you did this, to take away a gingerbread man. Put your hand up if you took away a gingerbread man with a message last week. Fantastic. We actually have a few left. And so at the end of today's service, if you would like to take a gingerbread man, not for yourself, but as a gift, to give to somebody else. We'll give you the instructions. Oh, there we oh, that one. Thank you. What an amazing team. We gave them that last minute. Um, it's a simply a case of writing a, um, writing a tag, a gift tag and a message. Let me read you this email that came from somebody in the church. I just want to read this. It says, My kitchen is at the front of our house, so we see a number of people passing our home to the local shops and schools. When you asked us to think of somebody, this was my person, one man is elderly, somewhere around his 70s. He pulls his shopping trolley each day, sometimes stopping to catch his breath. And occasionally, I've had a chance to say hello. 
So today I ambushed him with a gingerbread man as he passed our gates. I introduced myself, found out his name, and explained how we wanted him to know the love and peace of Christ this Christmas. He beamed a smile so wide I wished I could capture it. He read the gift card and smiled again. He was so grateful for the gingerbread in the chat. I gave him a general invite to stop by sometime and we're hoping we'll see him on Boxing Day or around New Year when we're free. Isn't that a beautiful story? How many other people have, a, have, some, have, have had some kind of reaction in the positive from having given a gingerbread away to somebody this, over this last week? Fantastic. Thank you. Brilliant. Well, it's not too late. It's not too late. We've got them. They'll be here at the end of church. And we have like about 40, 40 or 50 left. So if you would like to come and get a gingerbread man and write a little card tag, it's to give away. It's to give away. It's to give to somebody who needs to know love and hope and care and peace this Christmas because that's what we're called to do. But you know, last thing to say, I know we're nearly done and you guys have done brilliantly down there. Jesus' birth is not just about individuals because Jesus' birth and the way that he was born and the way this came about also reminds us of the importance of engaging with the political and the economic systems in our country that contribute towards being, people being poor and marginalised. It's about confronting injustice and it's about standing up for the right thing. And Jesus was ready to do that. He was ready to confront the powers of his day, to speak up and to act on behalf of those who needed help and those who are struggling. And we need to be ready to do the same. And I know many of you who do this already in so many practical ways. It might mean engaging with political or economic systems. I'm not necessarily talking about in a partisan way, but that's up to you. But it might mean being ready to speak in a debate. It might mean being ready to research a policy, to engage with leadership or to take action to affect change. It might mean confronting the system in whatever field it is that we have influence in, whether it's government, local or national, whether it's education or healthcare or business or media or economics or family or community or the church. You see, when Jesus was born, as Isaiah tells us, he came to completely change things, to establish a brand new way of doing things. He will reign on David's throne. That's the wrong one. Sorry. Oh, hello. Can you just put it onto my last slide for me, please? Thank you. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. Jesus wasn't afraid to stand up for what God thought was important, values and beliefs. He even took flack for it. And interestingly, if I've learned anything over the past few weeks, just trying to watch on to the election and trying to just engage with it in some way, I've learned that I don't have to necessarily believe, even if I don't believe or trust any particular party or group, it is entirely possible to engage with those who are seeking to govern and ask questions about righteousness and justice. And so when our MP came round and knocked on the door, and we knew him anyway, and Joe invited him in and had a conversation with him, said, we're quite like you, we're not sure about your boss, to be honest, you know. Um, but these are the things that we want to talk about when we've had written letters to him once or twice, emails to him over the past few months and years. You know, it's, about, it's not necessarily about engaging with the colour of the party, particularly for me, it's about engaging with the issues and the policies and saying, as somebody who's standing 
for a different kind of kingdom, a different kind of government, I want to stand up and just not be afraid to live out and speak out Jesus' values. And that's what these words in Isaiah remind me of. They bring ultimate hope. They remind us that the baby in the manger was born in the most humble of circumstances, came to establish God's government over the whole world. And in dying on the cross, Jesus already brought the victory. And we, his followers, his body, his church, are responsible for partnering with him to bring about that in our world, in our time. That's the hope that we carry. And whatever else is going on in our homes, in our families, our streets, our workplaces, our communities, our city, our region, our country, or our world, whatever else is going on, we can look to him, give thanks to him, and know that in him we have ultimate, ultimate hope. So why don't you stand with me? Why don't you stand with me and we'll just pray. And you guys down there, you've done so well with this. Anything else you want to say? I'm just going to pray and then I'm going to invite the band back to lead us in our last carol. I hope that this encourages you and I hope that whatever's going on for you this Christmas, that you, we all get a chance just to remember the centrality of Jesus, the message of hope and God's kingdom coming. And let's celebrate when God came to start something that we're already living in, that we're already experiencing and enjoying for ourselves. And okay, yeah, we live in a fallen and broken world and some things that are going on are really tough and some things that are going on in our lives are really tough. But why don't we just give this to God? Why don't you close your eyes and why don't you hold out your hands if you'd like to? And why don't we just invite God's Holy Spirit one more time just to come? So Holy Spirit, we thank you for sending Jesus at Christmas to be born as a baby and to come and to start a new government, a new kingdom, to bring about God's kingdom on this earth. We thank you for the hope that that brings. We thank you for the light that's in the darkness. And today, today, whatever is going on with us, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come and be the light in our darkness, that you would come and be the hope where we don't have hope, that you would come and fill and replenish and energize us in these moments. We are open to your Holy Spirit. We welcome your touch. We welcome your touch. We welcome your touch. We welcome your presence. And if you feel like you particularly need that hope, if you particularly are in need of God's presence, just put your hand on your heart. Just put your hand on your heart and say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, I'm open to all that you've got for me this year. I'm open to your presence and I'm ready to receive. I'm ready. We welcome you and we bless you, Holy Spirit. We thank you for your presence here. We thank you for your presence here.